Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. It's Monday. I know the days are starting to bleed together while we're all social distancing and locking down at home, but it is Monday, and I'm so glad that you're here because today we have author MJ Preston on with us, and he's going to talk to us about his new book that's out called Four, and uh, I hope that this will be a nice break for you from... (laughs) from whatever you're doing to pass the time right now. So if you have not met MJ yet, uh, I will read his bio for you. To his neighbors, he's a quiet and unassuming, quiet and unassuming guy who works blue collar but what they don't know is he also writes dark speculative fiction his work has been printed all over the world with four novels on the market and a fifth and sixth in production his short fiction is also available in numerous publications including magazines and and anthologies i did put a link to mj's website right there on the blog talk site so if you are listening live you can click that anytime and he has his books up there he has a blog Go check him out and see what he's got cooking. So, MJ, are you there? I am so. All right. Good to hear me. from you. And you're you're up in Canada, right? Is it still cold up there? It is. It's actually snowing right now, for sure. Yeah, it's it's still cold up there. We don't usually see spring until after the May 2-4 weekend. Really? Not until May? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm in Alberta, Canada, and the prairies have a, a very long, stretched-out winter. And we always say May 2-4 weekend because what happens is, is in the beginning of May, uh, the sun comes out, everything dries up, and then when May 2-4 weekend hits, we get hit with a bloody snowstorm. <laughs> so so we've all just kind of resigned ourselves <laughs> to the fact that we're going to get snow. If we don't, it'll be a surprise, that's for sure. <laughs> Wow. I'm in San Diego, so if it gets below 70, I need a sweater. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) But our mountains do get snow. People are always surprised, but we do get snow in the mountains of San Diego, but not very often. (laughs) Well, I wish wish we had some of your weather. Believe me, it's cool today. It's, uh, I think, around minus 10 right now. What? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Yikes. So why don't you tell our listeners about four? And I know it's it's like um, it's the sequel, right? So there are two books that people can read while they're shut up at home right now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the most basic way to frame it is to say that Highwayman is a series and it started with the, the self-titled book Highwayman, and this story is over the course of two books. So the first book is the the setup where you meet a serial killer, and you follow him from his early beginnings to his rise to being on the most wanted on the FBI list. And the second book is the conclusion to that story, but it's not the end of the series. But the difference is, is that story will end, and the next book is going to draw from the characters from those two books, but it's not going to be this particular story about this serial killer. This this story envelops these two books, and once you finish this book, that's the end of that story. So is Lance Bellinger, it's it's called the Lance Bellinger Files, is he the serial killer or is he the the FBI agent after him? 
he is the serial killer. Uh, he's, a, he's a young man who's inherited a great deal of money, and he has one ambition. He wants to be the most prolific and famous serial killer of all time. So he doesn't have any issues. He's worth about $8 bucks. So what he does is he flies all over the country, and he you know, finds victims, uh, takes them to a secluded location off a highway, and that's how they coined the name Highwayman for him. And he kills and dismembers them and leaves them in such a way that the FBI knows they've got the same guy. Uh, that's what Highwayman, the, the, the book before for, really does follow him more as a protagonist. You understand his thinking. And it's almost told with a true crime feel to it. Everything in it is dated, timed. Uh, all of the highways that that he you know drops his victims. I used to be a long haul truck driver, so I know all of these places almost intimately. Like I've been on all of the highways that, oh. that are in the books, but I have a alibi for everything. <laughs> so, yeah, somebody once <laughs> joked and said, oh, "Oh, well, you know, there's a lot of truck driver serial killers down in the United States." Not me, man. I'm not a serial killer, but that's what the first first book is about. The second book is told more from the FBI perspective, and the protagonist is a character named Special Agent Dave Maxwell, and he's the guy that's tracking him. And this is a how is the first book is a little bit more of a slow burn and a build and introducing you to what's going on. The second book is a lot more fast paced because they, they know who the killer is and they're going after him and they're chasing him across the United States. And it was a lot of fun to write, but it was an awful lot of work as well. I was going to say, did you have to do a bunch of research into FBI and how they, how they hunt serial killers and all that kind of stuff? Oh, absolutely. A uh, lot, lot of reading, a lot of research. I mean, just I, I couldn't even give you a, a, you know, a reasonable number of how many books uh, I had to read. I read all of the uh, all of the Robert Ressler and John Douglas books. Those are the two guys that were portrayed in the series Mindhunter, and uh, they oh. they wrote a lot of stuff. These were those are the guys that that actually pioneered profiling serial killers. So I was uh, I read very much in depth on on how they did that and what they did. And of course, then reading about the FBI, looking at you know, ad nauseum at actual FBI files and watching documentaries and speaking with true crime writers. One true crime writer I'd throw a bone out to would be Kevin M. Sullivan. He wrote The Bundy Murders uh, Comprehensive History, which was an absolutely fantastic book. It gave you real insight into the killer. So drawing from all of those, I began to build my characters. And uh, and it worked out quite well. They're they're not clones of these, but certainly I've drawn out of you know different serial killers and how they operated and their way of thinking. And what I found with most of these guys is they're very narcissistic. Uh, they compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. They don't have a lot of emotion, and that's what makes them such scary monsters because they don't they they, they don't care if you plead or cry or beg or they they have one aim and that is to kill. And for some reason they get some kind of a kick from this for lack of a better word they you know that's that's what they do and that's the way Lance Bellinger is he's not a Dexter and he's not a Hannibal Lecter he's a very very ugly dirty human being and that's what I wanted to portray in this because that's what most of these guys uh with the exception of the really mentally ill are They're right just horrible, They're just disgusting human yeah. beings that's right right 
Yeah. And so when you were um, being, well, let me dovetail this into, I always ask people about what was their writing journey. Like, did they always think they were going to be a writer? And you were a truck driver, but I have a feeling while you were going to these, you know, deserted truck stops or pull-offs or whatever, um, you know, were you dreaming up this, were you telling yourself stories while you were working? Yeah, well, I always have. And, uh, like, I was in the military for 12 years, and I I started my first novel in the military, but it ended up getting shelved for about 12 years because you're always on the go in the military. It's very hard to focus down on something like that. Plus, I had a family to raise. And then when I became a a truck driver in uh, 1998, that's when I started picking at the idea of really getting serious. And all I really wanted to do was finish one novel, and say I did it because right. I had a novel half half written. I actually found an old manuscript that was about half written, and I thought, wow, I should really try and finish this. So I did, and I published it independently, and it did really well. I mean, it went to the Amazon Breakthrough Awards, which they used to have back then, and it made you know semifinalists, which is pretty good for a horror novel because I'm pretty sure I got beat out by a book about flowers, and. Uh, <laughs> Once once I did that, I, I still hadn't decided if I was going to continue to write another book, but I ended up running the ice roads in the deep north, and that uh, just set me off to my second book, which was a Katie event, and that was uh, more of a science fiction horror novel, and I just used that background because it was just such a absolutely stunning place to be in. Uh, I'm sure you've probably heard of the show Ice Road Truckers. A lot of people have anyhow, and... Mm-hmm. Going up there and seeing the things that you see, the northern lights splashing across the sky, this frozen sea of ice and everything, I thought, this is just a great place to write a book. So I ended up writing that second book, and it did pretty good, too. It was also independent, and uh, Gregory Norris, who used to be a writer or a screenplay writer for uh, Star Trek Voyager, got a hold of it, and he got back to me and told me how much he loved it, and I was like over the moon. Uh, And then I ended up going to... It, it, yeah, it really was, you know, because I met him at a at a anthology conference where people were, you know, there because of writing anthologies. When I gave him the book, I was like, oh, my God, he's going to tear me to pieces. <laughs> and he got back to me. And he's such a gentleman. And he said, no, no, I absolutely loved it. So that was great. And then I started writing four, actually, before Highwayman. And somebody suggested I write a throwaway, you know, a novella or novelette and just give it away. So I started writing Highwayman for a little while and I wrote the novella and I took a look at it and I said, this is not going to work as a novella. It's it's just, there's too much information to put in it. So it became a novel and it ended up, Ford ended up taking a back seat to Highwayman, but that was the beginning of the story. So I, I sent it out to a, a publishing company called Wild Blue Press out of Colorado and they accepted it. It took a while. It took about six months before I heard anything back. And I sent a query to them and I said, hey, what's going on, guys? You know, do you like the book? Do you not like the book? What's what's the deal? And the uh, the owner of uh, Wild Blue Press got back to me, Steve Jackson, who's a New York Times bestselling author. And he said to me, we like Highwayman. We want the second book. And not only that, if you're game, we want to take on your other books as well. So Wild Blue Press took... Uh, the Equinox and Acadia event also under their wing, and Acadia event was released uh, about two weeks prior to four, 
or, or should I say re-released. So, yeah, it's been a really interesting nice. journey. I'm having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that um, people don't realize sometimes that as writers we work, you know, alone so much and just getting that one person to encourage you and say, you know, this is great or you have potential or whatever can be the difference between you actually, you know, writing another book or getting published or, or all that kind of thing. I, I remember when I was starting, I used to write horror as well. That was where I got my start. And I was writing horror short stories. And I don't know if you've read Ray Garten, but he, he was a horror grandmaster and all this stuff. And he had stumbled across one of my short stories and sent me an email that, that, that was really good. And what are you working on? And, 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 you know, it was, it was just so um, inspiring to me and valid that validation can make the whole difference. So I'm so glad that that guy did that for you. It's huge. Yeah, it is. It is really nice. Cause you know, as well as uh, probably every writer, except, you know, majorly established writers like John Sanford or Stephen King or the late great Tom Clancy. When you're, when you're, going forward and you're trying to get you know that breakthrough where people are going to start really reading your book you have all sorts of insecurities eh? I, I know that when I go through something I still even to this day if I go through a manuscript and I'm getting ready to send it off but I mean there's points where you're going oh my god this is just garbage I'm terrible nobody likes me blah 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 and then <laughs> when you put it away for a little while and you pick it up and you start going hey man this isn't bad Hey, who wrote this? Right. You know, like, because I find that I find you become disconnected from your work somewhat, especially once you get into the heavy editing stage, because it's no longer about you know the fun of writing the story. Now it's all mechanics and making it, you know, clean and 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 presentable. Making it shine. And taking yeah. Away. yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's been it's it's been an interesting journey. Uh, I I never would have thought that I would have four books out uh, and be working on two more for the future, but, uh, I'm enjoying the ride and, and I'm loving the readers. I really am. They're, they're the reason that I do this, you know, and I know that sounds kind of cliche, but if you write a story, if you just write it for yourself, well, that's cool. But you, you want, you want to connect with people out there and you want them to like your stuff. Yes, and and for the readers who are listening, you sending an email to an author or messaging them on Facebook or whatever, you never know what's happening that day. And sometimes I've gotten messages that it's it's just like I'm for whatever reason I'm having an awful day or I can't seem to figure out what's going to happen next, and I'll get an email that you know this save someone while they were in the hospital for a treatment or something and I'm like okay this is important I can do this and and it makes a huge difference readers are the bomb and I feel like writing is you know it's a cycle if you it's like if the tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it doesn't make a noise you know if we write these stories we're writing them for readers Oh, absolutely. I mean, really, I mean, in in a sense, we're, you know, just like the individual sitting around a campfire and it's like, boom, you need to tell a story. So you, you've got that little captive audience there. When I, I like to refer to is when you let that manuscript go, it's like a little sea turtle running towards the ocean, you know, yes. trying to get there uh-huh. before before the 
the the critics and and the haters, you know, snatch you up and gobble you whole, right? So, uh, right. It, it really it really is, and 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 you know, as a as a happy aside, one of my reader, one of a constant reader that I've had with my work has actually become my research assistant because she has been so supportive and she's very good at what she does. She helps me keep all my ducks in a row, and she actually helped me. Her name is Patty. Holy Cross, and uh, she she helped me so much with these books because she the difference between my first two books and these two books is is that one there was timeline so it was I had to make sure I, I kept all that straight, but she was great in that if I would be taking there would be a victim in say Florida. And I would say, okay, they're dropped off on this U.S. route at this point. She would know what the bar is down the road and be able to tell me. Or she would say, you know, I, I actually a couple times say, how many people have been killed by this serial killer again? <laughs> and she would come back with a kill list and say, oh, yeah, Bob Jones and Charlie, Charlene Harris. And, you know, she would just knock all these off. So that has just been a, a fantastic help for sure. And, and, and that's the beauty of the, the World Wide Web and readership because I'm a pretty open person. People can contact me on Facebook, you know, as long as you're not a 20-year-old girl with five pictures in different stages of undress because I know you're a bot. Um, but, but for the most part, if people come on and they want to friend me on Facebook, I'm, I'm good that way. I'll go check you out. But you know, if, if if you're just a regular person, and I know you're not a, a Russian bot or something like that, you're in. And, and I'm more than willing to talk to people. So, and and that's nice because yeah. you get feedback as well from them. Yes, for sure. And really, you, your characters—I feel like your characters aren't really alive until a reader, you know, reads them and breathes life into them. I think it's just the writing is—it's. Um, well, storytelling, you know, it's just a powerful medium, and when people bring your characters to life, it makes it all worth it. Oh, for sure. It absolutely does. And and I don't know about you, but I become very invested in these characters as well, you know, the ones I like and the ones I don't like. And they, for for me, they become real people in the gray matter. I mean, I know what they look like. I know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how, how they think and, and all that stuff. But to make that connection with a reader, and that's when you've pulled it off. That's the magic trick. When they say, oh, wow, you know, I, I really like this particular character. Like, I have a character in 4, his name, and he's also in Highwayman, and his name is Detective Lonnie Perkins, and he's a Louisville detective. And he was just such a riot to write. When he's a chronic cigarette smoker, he's, he's skinny as a rail, and he's got a little pencil-thin mustache, but he comes out with these one-liners, you know. Um, there's a point where they're in a helicopter, and they're going into distress, and he's pulling out a smoke saying, I'm not dying without a smoke, <laughs> you know. And that's what I try I try to do. I try to draw from people you meet. And I, I like to think of myself kind of as a sponge. I'm analyzing all the time. I'm looking at different things, but mannerisms or, or anything like that. And it kind of goes back into that old filing cabinet in the back. And a lot of times it manifests itself in writing. Yeah. And, and I also really love that, 
you know, certain things, and I don't know if readers know this, but I've talked to many authors and it seems universal, but there can be certain things that happen in real life that suddenly make your character come alive in your head. Like if your character had a favorite, you know, a Dr. Pepper, and then you have a Dr. Pepper and you're like, oh, there they are. Um, Does that happen to you with your characters? It does. I actually had somebody comment about that, and it, or actually it was my editor uh, for four, and she got back to me and she said that what she really got a kick out of is that, you know, I mean, is that she's been to many of the places that, that I've, I've written about. So it's, you know, if you're from Rochester and there happens to be a scene in Rochester, you know, that that's, that's that little connection too. So uh, I think that was something that worked very well for Stephen King, obviously writing a lot of his work was in Maine, and you, right. know, you I, I, I've read a lot of his books over the year. I'm uh, not reading as much Stephen King. I'm a lot more John Sanford or Michael Connolly these days. But one thing about King is he taught me about Maine before I even went to Maine. You know, and even mm-hmm. though he had these little That's fictitious true. little towns, um, it's still. I mean, you learned about that whole state. He put Maine on the map. I would believe with a lot of people. So mm-hmm. I try to do that as well as I try try to work. I mean, I I try not to go outside my comfort zone and and go to places that I've never been. Uh, there is uh, references to Bucharest in in both of these books. I've never been there, but I did my damnedest to make sure I knew you know where the train stations were, where certain things were to make the story credible. And I eventually would maybe like to go to Bucharest when we all get out of self-isolation. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I enjoy I enjoy going where I'm setting books because I feel like there's only so much you can get from Google. So it's really cool when you can go there and know, you know, where people go and what, you know, what people, how they talk and what they eat and all that kind of thing can make a huge difference too. But I've well, had a couple books where I had to rely on Google and, and I did the best I could. But yeah, like you, I, I want to go there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a, it's a strange thing writing, you know, the, you get down there and, and I don't know about you, but when I, when I sit down to write, it's like I get on the keyboard, I turn everything else off maybe put some music on, well, almost always put some music on in, in a set of headphones. And from that point, it just kind of unrolls like a movie in front of me. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't real, I don't actually even, I mean, you, you have these moments where you're writing something, well, well that's really good. Um, but I, <laughs> I find that I don't remember half of what I'm writing while I'm writing it until I go back over it. And, and it's, it's just a, a strange thing, but I think that's, where, you know, an artist is meant to paint or, or you know, a trumpeter is meant to play his trumpet or whatever. I think we all have that built into our DNA in some way. And that's what, or maybe our genetics, I guess. And that, that's just what pushes us forward. I could never play a guitar. I'd love to play one, but I love to listen to music. So I, I think the same thing applies to writing and, I, and certainly filmmaking or, or any other art, painting, or whatnot. So it's cool. You know, you write mm-hmm. what you know, but I did not kill anybody. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so what's what's next for you? Because you said four is the end of that, but you're going to keep your, your FBI agents going, right? Yes, that's basically the 
the plan here. I I've start what what I've done with the, with the Highwayman series, and this is my intention. Depending on how many more books come out of this series, but in closing this story, I've opened up at the end with an introduction to the next story, and that's what my intention is to do with all of these books as I write them. Is that to give the reader say, you know, look, we've we've concluded this, going on over here. So it's a little teaser to get them into the next story. And that's what I'm working on presently is the next Highwayman book. And it's uh, tentatively called The Ice Cream Men. But I won't go into too much more detail because I'd be giving a spoiler on for itself. So I'll, I'll leave it there. Oh, okay. Okay. And do you see your FBI agent? It's Dave Maxwell, right? Yes. Do you see him yes, like evolving into, you know, is he going to be like like Jason Bourne or, you know, somebody where he, he's the guy that all that ties all the books together? No, not necessarily. I I I've, I've been looking at this from a couple of different points and there's that, there's key characters in both of these books and Dave Maxwell is one Lewis Ash is another space special agent who was, uh, you know, pretty dominant in the first Highwayman book. And the great thing about writing is, is you can time shift. So the way I'm looking at it is, yes, Dave Maxwell is going, he's going to be in the next book, that's for sure. But he, he's not going to be the mainstay of the series. He may pop up again, but these other characters I want to draw from, and for instance, Lewis Ash, I think, well, hey, you know what? It's, the the books are set between 2000 and 2009 right now, the Highwayman and Four, but I'm going to time shift and I may go back and tell other stories that actually happened before the Highwayman case. So that that's what that's what I love about this is that I've got all these I've got, I have another special agent named Michelle Lee and she's a profiler. She could have her own book or Lewis Ash could oh, have cool. his own book, or Dave Maxwell will have a book. And as as the great thing about these books is that as you introduce new characters, they all of a sudden become a point of, you know, that you can say, hey, you know what? I really like this guy. We need to make a story about him. So it's going to be different cases that they work on. It, I don't know if it's going to be all serial killer. Probably not. I've got a... a a really just kind of a pulse pounding idea that that where you know chasing still chasing down bad guys but not necessarily as not necessarily a serial killer so that's that's kind of the cool thing i got this whole pool and i've got all these characters that i've built in these two books and i'm going to draw from those characters and say okay let's see what we can do with this person let's explore them and even if they're a supporting character maybe they'll become a main character and we'll learn a lot more about them and have some fun with them as well Nice. And do you see yourself just staying in that thriller vein or because you've written that sci-fi horror book too, do you miss having paranormal magical elements that you can add in? It has to be so real if it's a, you know, thriller with FBI and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be tied directly to Highwayman exclusively. I think my intention is write write another Highwayman book, possibly two, but I've got a juicy horror novel in the back of my gray matter I'm thinking very hard about as well. So I, I think it's good to change, nice. change it up and take a break. And it's nice because this is kind of – uh, Wall Blue Press is, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're selling this as a horror novel. Um, because I'm in their horror section, but this is more of a police procedural novel, and right. I, 
I like so I'm actually moving between two genres. I'm I'm moving between you know the the supernatural into the real world, and it's nice because you get a little break from one and you get to go and play in the other. And the when you're writing fiction like this, like like the the Highwayman series. You have to be, you know, you gotta, you gotta have your stuff together. You gotta know what you're doing. You gotta really, how is, you know, so you can't have a monster pop out and whack somebody's head off in the middle of it. But with right. a horror novel, you can do, you, you, you the, the sky's the limit. I mean, it, it, it can exactly. rain blood from the sky, or you know, I mean, mm-hmm. whatever. It's supernatural. So, so I, I am going to move between these two genres. I have a couple of really good ideas that I want to float around in. And I think it's good for you as a writer too, because it moves you, you don't get stagnant in one element and say, okay, this is just what I'm going to do. And quite honestly, I mean, right. when I wrote, started writing for, I had no idea I was going to write a series, but this is, this is where it's taken me. And so I'm going to follow this for a little while anyways, as long as people want to read it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think readers love series, too. I, I certainly write a bunch of series, but I think readers like, you know, that they can just step right back into that world, and these people are their friends, and and and, and as a writer, I like that, too, but I always write more than one series at a time because I like, like you said, I don't like to get stagnant. I like put my foot in this water and this water, and but but it is fun to, you know, get back in there and go, oh, yeah, I love these people. <laughs> yeah, they they create a, a whole world for you. The the, the the toughest thing about writing a series is that you tend to forget. I, I was listening to an interview with John Sanford, who has written the Prey series. I think he's got like thirty books out, and uh, he he noted, you know, I mean, I've I've read almost every book that he's written. I'm a you know big fan of his work, uh, but he, I mean, he he says, you know, I boy, I just forget about a lot of stuff. Eh? So that's, that's the difference with the series is that you may have to go back and review your, your older work and, you know, make sure that everything kind of works together uh, as opposed to a standalone novel where, you know, you're all in and you can do whatever you want with it, release it to the public, and if they like it, and then you just go write a completely different story in a completely different genre, uh, you have that ability, but with the series, you really have you, you got to be more focused. The one thing I noted about writing my first two novels and writing the Highwayman series is Highwayman series was a lot more labor intensive, and and again that came back not only to the research, but having the research assistant who would kick my butt mm-hmm. if I was straying from the narrative, and. Uh, but it's like I say, so that's why I think going back and doing a horror novel in between at some point will be kind of a nice little fun break to to do and and uh, you know right. get get away get away from the discipline a little bit. Right, right. Well, I can't believe we're out of time. But um, before we go, is there a way that readers can get in touch with you? You mentioned Facebook before. Yeah, they can get me on Facebook, on Twitter, on uh, LinkedIn as well. I'm on LinkedIn. And they can go to my website, mjpreston.net, or by all means, visit wildbrewpress.com. And and you can find anything you want about me out there as well. And if you like the book, please leave me a review. Yes, definitely leave a review. Thanks so much for coming on, MJ, and and keep washing those hands. (laughs) You bet. Take care. Thanks for joining us on Booklights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.